And we are live. Everybody, I hope everybody's having a great day. This is Sarah Fisher, and I'm going to have her introduce herself to us. I ran across your content. Uh, my wife introduced me to your content, actually, on TikTok. And you were talking about uh, Ozempic and weight loss, like very similar thought patterns. And um, I thought it'd be great to have you on and introduce you to, to the audience that shows up just about every day for us. Uh, but also, where's comments? There we go. But I just wanted to like uh, go through stuff, introduce yourself, where they can find you. What do you do? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give you a quick little background just so people know where I'm coming from. So I have a degree in biology from the University of Georgia. Wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with that. So I, on a whim, kind of applied to nursing school, hearing it was a great career. So I then got a degree in nursing. I was an ER nurse for about seven years. Mm -hmm. And the politics, which we maybe will eventually get into, into that really was like a nail in a coffin. I mean, taking care of patients is a passion and helping people I love, um, but they handcuff you in a lot of ways. And so mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't know if I wanted to keep doing this and the money and time. And so I actually ended up going back to anesthesia. So I still practice anesthesia. I'm a PA for mm -hmm. anesthesia. So I have a master's in medical sciences as well. So, and I've been practicing that for I guess almost 13 years. It's almost 20 years I've been in medicine. So that's mm -hmm. where I come from. And I, there is, I always tell everyone there is a time and a place for medicine, but over the 20 years that I have worked, I have noticed there's been a drastic shift where the only answer is medicine. And I just, you know, to me, it's hard to take out the holistic part um, that we are absolutely amazing creatures that can, do a lot of things if we actually just take care of our bodies. So it's kind of where I come I from. That, yes. I think that that's a huge, you hit on a huge marker that I talk about fairly much on a regular basis. I'm much more of a, our healthcare system. And the reason why I left healthcare was because I viewed it as much more, it's a profit industry and they don't actually take care of health. They take care of it's managed sick care kind of, you know, yeah. like. It's called the disease uh, profit industry. Does, I love that the disease profit industry. I'm going to be stealing that, but crediting you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I found it. I found it so off. I remember, like in 2017 or 18, I just spoke about this recently. Where I came home the one day and told my wife, I was like, I just can't do this much longer. You know, like we were making good money. There was no reason to leave. I was one of like eight people that did what I do in the nation. It just I couldn't do it anymore. Like. It's all pharma. I remember sitting in, um, do you remember, were you, you, so you've been 20 years. You remember when CMS changed the uh, protocols, the red flags for the number of prescriptions people could be on without flagging the CMS, right? Yeah. So we started going through each of our buildings and I sat down at a skilled nursing and we had people on like 28, 20, 29 medications. You know, like, how does how like, try to like you could in your just opinion and by the way everybody if there's a question that i asked that she can't answer without getting in trouble uh we're, we're gonna let her pass that uh but in, in your opinion like how does it get there like how, how do we get on get people on 29 like 28 29 medications i i think it's there's twofold cysts. like i think it's a twofold problem number one people just in general have just gotten lazy lackadaisical and they always want the easy way out they want the fastest mm -hmm. route the less effort the less discomfort um so when you have people who want the quick pill and then you have people who are incentivized to give pills it is like really to me it's like a double-edged sword and it just adds itself and a lot of times every medicine has a, 
a side effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take a blood pressure medicine like lisinopril. This is just mm-hmm. common knowledge. Most common side effect of lisinopril is a cough. Just people get this just dry cough. Well, all of a sudden now you're taking lisinopril for your blood pressure, but you've got this dry cough. So then you get, you know, now you're on maybe even it's over the counter cough suppressants, or maybe they're on an inhaler now. It may be like, and it just starts to trickle because they want the prescription for one thing, mm-hmm. but then it has a side effect and it causes another. And while it has a great, this is the third problem. There is a benefit that people get so specialized, right? You have a pulmonologist, you have a nephrologist, you have a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. And you go and see all these different specialties so you get the most knowledgeable person about your, your ailment. But it's like the right hand doesn't ever talk to the left. So right. now you've got four prescriptions from this doctor and they have no idea that you're on these three prescriptions unless you really, they take the time to sit down with you. And so many times patients will come in in the ER with literally like trash bags, like, you know, like the, their Publix bag full of medicine. They're like, well, I don't really know what this, and there'd be like 30 of them. Like you're, you're right, like 30. And you're like, you gotta feel like shit all day long. Oh, I hope I can cuss, well, I'm sorry. I'm, oh my goodness, you've never watched my channel, have you? I, no, you're brand new, you kind of, so I will. Okay. I, all I, you, can, okay. you can, you can, I say fuck all the time. Like, okay. like, I mean, it, I, I, literally have a, I literally have a shirt that says fucks, million spoken, none given. So oh, that, oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm just playing that one too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I that's how we get feel free to road. speak freely. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but I feel like that's how we get down the road of people being all, all these medicines, like, and the knowledge, the, the education isn't out there. I mean, I have a whole, um, I have a whole TikTok about the people who preach, like when you go to school and like in nursing school, I had to take nutrition classes in anesthesia. I had to take nutrition classes at both times. My teacher was well over 300 pounds. Jesus. Like, where, where do you get, like, that's not, look at the world. The most, <laughs> the, the new healthiest woman in America is like the 300 pound woman, I don't remember who it was, on the fitness magazine saying this is healthy. So we're being, li- like, pay- people are being lied to that it isn't as dangerous to be unwell. And it's a whole mess. I mean, it's a, it's a literally, it is, I think it's planned. You can go down that rabbit hole. So You can, uh, because so do I. I mean, that's like, and here's what I find, like one of the reasons why, and, and it just for those of those people in the audience are going to be pissy about this. I don't seek out people that agree with me. Uh, I just can't get anybody that disagrees with me to appear alive with me either because they don't want, they don't want the smoke, you know, because right. like, uh, I don't know about you. I'm imagining this is your, your case, but I noted, I did note it about five years ago. Like they want you fat and sick. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, openly, like we went from, Tess Holiday appearing on a cover of a magazine, right? Mm-hmm. And us pretending that she didn't look sickly because that we're literally at this, the pretend stage of society right now, right? Yeah. But I also denoted, I was like, you know, in all the interviews afterwards, I was like, she's saying that her health is none of our business when she talks about her health all the time. I was like, we need to watch because that's going to morph from my health is none of your business to I'm healthy and fat to being fat is healthy, being skinny is, is unhealthy because we're literally at that stage. Like they're the mainstream media paint, like fitness is white supremacist and bad for you and exercise gives you heart attacks. And it's, it's like fat the, shaming, it's, it's yeah, derogatory the, and like, it's like backwards. It's literally like whatever they say is like the actual opposite is true. The, the bastardization of science has gotten to be a huge problem with this because I'm a big believer where this, I think this is one of the reasons why I didn't fall for the massive amount of uh, propaganda 
a couple of years ago, three years ago, right now, uh, where I look at data, I don't even, I don't trust the words of, of people deciphering the data. Uh, I talk about um, informed consent all the time, like your doctor or your PA or whatever, if they tell you something is wrong with you, they should be able to explain it to you in words you understand. And it's actually their obligation to do so in order for you to have informed consent. And then if they put you on a medication, not only do they need to sit down and tell you what the medication is supposed to do and how it works biologically with you, they're supposed to tell you any possible negative side effects. I can't tell you how many clients I have right now that I have, I have one client who was on Vyvanse, gave her seizures while she was driving. They put her on Vyvanse for binge eating, had a seat, like she's got young kids, everything, had a seizure driving, almost killed herself, you know? Uh, tons of other things like this where she was like, I didn't even know I could have seizures from it. I'm like, it's like one of the top listed things for Vyvanse. Like your doctor didn't say this to you. And the first video I watched of yours was in your Ozempic series. I'd love to talk about this because I think that that's kind of the pinnacle. And then we can get into the politics and stuff like that here in a minute. But I personally don't have anything truly against any medication as long as there's informed consent about it, right? I personally am believe, and, and then people can make their, their choices. I personally stick to way more of a uh, holistic, natural path. I go through supplements first. There are a lot of supplemental ingredients that can produce these same side effects or this, I mean, excuse me, the same effects without or with minimal side effect as pharmaceuticals. And I find that most pharmaceutical drugs are created in the mimicking of uh, a natural compound. For instance, uh, the... Uh, oxycodone is a mimic of heroin. I mean, and a lot of people don't realize that, but that's was the goal, you know, um, many things, right? Like, um, like metformin is a biological, uh, a biological repl uh, replication of berberine. And berberine has been shown to actually be more effective than metformin in many. Right? Uh, but these G uh, GLP-1 uh, agonists, while I, I, I think it's interesting that we're going this route because I do believe in hunger management. Like I believe that for most very, very, very large people, especially their hunger is what makes them fall back and regain. Like we talk about how diets fail and diets don't fail. Diets actually work because they're a temporarily decrease in caloric you know, intake, normally coupled with a large caloric in, uh, of expenditure. And I just find that these drugs are meant to just blunt the hunger. They're, an art, they're the replication of an artificial hormone that tells you you're full, right? The, the, we're prescribing this for 12 year olds and up. And we have no, these drugs have been around five years, five-ish years. We have no long-term data. We're, we're at the no long-term data portion of it again. And I think it was like a year ago, I said, watch for society, like the, like the healthcare industry and industry. Once the vaccine craze dies down and people aren't taking that anymore, they're going to go to a more monthly subscription thing. They're going to prescribe these GLP-1s uh, to everybody. It's going to be a massive push. And I think we're seeing that right now. Novo Nordics is going to make pharma look like nothing here in about a year, right? Yeah. Um, what, do you, what, what do you think about these drugs? It's, I actually, on this one, I am like in a pro-con, like I could see myself in a split, you know, and it's funny because I've done nutrition for about six years, like helped people with nutrition. And while I am 99% of the time would per, like tell you to try a, the holistic approach first. I do. I believe that if you eat clean, if you stay away from processed foods, which have been designed to be addictive, designed mm -hmm. to actually make you fat and all the things, um, then you will probably hit your goals, you know? Um, mm -hmm. 
but I feel like the way our foods are processed now, um, I think it's creating like a complete shift form in our bodies, right? Like how we've been mm -hmm. living. And so sometimes like, and as menopause comes on, insulin resistance is a real thing, whether, and you can yep. kind of help control that with true diet and exercise. There, there is a time and place. Again, there's always a time and place in medicine where I feel like there is, that is a, you could try that. You know what I mean? Like it is easy fix, but it needs to be paired with, okay, if you're going to decrease your appetite, you need to be working with a health coach. So when you do want to eat food, you're still not eating McDonald's, which got you fat. Mm -hmm. You're only just eating one burger instead of two burgers and a right. small fry instead of large fry. You know, it's got to be paired. It cannot just be given to me as a band-aid for the big problem. Um, right. You know, the problem though is our world is so obese. It's like, there's mm -hmm. the other side. Like we're so obesity now has been like linked to, I think at minimum of 10 cancers. It is the precursor for cancer. And so while I, again, highly, highly promote natural, holistic health, diet, exercise, you know, sometimes there's a time and place. And I think the insulin resistance piece is probably what I find the best about that drug, not necessarily mm -hmm. the hunger thing, because insulin resistance, I think is being, like it's crap because I are, you know, we just aren't responding because of what's in our foods. Mm -hmm. Well, off, 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 when we're done here and right when it releases, I'll send you, um, I'll get your address or where you, where you pick up mail and I'll send you uh, a, a, a bottle of our second product that's about to come out because it's all, it's aimed at insulin resistance because I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I completely agree that uh, to a great degree, insulin, uh, insulin resistance has become a huge problem and it's from how we're eating. Like 20, we have people that have like eaten highly processed, pal highly palatable foods the entirety of their lives, mm -hmm. you know? When, you know, when I, I, I'm, I, I believe I'm substantially older than you, I'm going to be 52 soon. When I was in high school, there was like a, a fat kid, like one, right. there was like one fat kid. Right. And they, I mean, it was obviously like now, as we look back and we know a little bit more, like I know a little bit more, it's obviously the person that like actually had PCOS or actually had some sort of thyroid issue. And 20 or 30 years ago, we just didn't fucking, no, we didn't, we, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't good at it. Right. But for the most part, obesity was an extremely rare occurrence. Everybody I graduated high school with just about had abs, like even half the girls. Like we were active. We moved around. Our bikes were our cars, basically, you know, stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the, the ultra palatable, highly processed food craze came in. People like people were aiming all of this at children. Coca-Cola is geared towards children as well as other sodas, uh, all the candy, that sort of thing. Right. So we have people that have massive insulin resistance and what a lot of people don't seem to grasp is that also increases your hunger too. Like you could be, have a completely full belly, but if you eat, it's going to you know engage your glycemic response, shoot insulin through your system. You're going to be hungrier and you're going to eat more. And that's what they want. And when you look at the size of these industries, you realize how big like we, th this is like, and I don't think that many people realize it. I, I do this little bit where the, the, the largest national security threat we have is our chronic illness level and obesity. Because if all, this, if all of a sudden the supply chain were to break down or like the, com the countries that make most of our pharmaceuticals like China and India just decided to stop sending us this stuff, uh -huh. they, they could kill a decent portion of the population. Oh, for sure. In a month. You know, like, and I just can't seem to get people on board with that with me. Like, but 
we're if we if we went to war, China could destroy us without lifting a finger. You know, like we would be in complete fight. And I find that to be extremely scary. Now we are, I do have ADHD, so we were talking about those epics. So let me go back to it. I think the biggest issue we're having with this is like it's being viewed as this no harm, no foul drug that has magical properties to it when I mean you help people with their weight. 15% in 68 weeks and then showing regain at the end of the 68 weeks. I, I read their studies and I'm just like, this is not even good results. You know, like, yeah. uh, I think, I think, uh, Ozempic has the best one at 72 weeks. They do 20%. And I mean, we have people not on, not even on supplements, just in my coaching, we have people that pitch 25% weight losses in like nine months, you know, right. and they're, they're satiated, satisfied. I've heard, and I was hoping you could clear some stuff up for me because you probably are more adept to the literature than I am, but there is rumor that like, if you try to go off this, you regain weight at a faster pace. I think that came from the Remy Bader uh, interview where she said she went off of it and gained twice the weight back because she started binging uncontrollably. Is that because that is that because and or of this, but is it because like people get used to the absence of hunger and then all of a sudden when they go off the drug, the hunger rushes back and then they overeat, especially if they're a binge eater, because I can see that happening to a great degree. That's one of the reasons why we wean people off of our supplement because our supplement is our, it blocks hunger incredibly. So as a binge eater myself, when I go off of it, I wean myself off it. So I don't have it rushed back to me because all of a sudden then I'm eating everything in my fridge. Yeah. So is it from that or does it actually have a biological effect where it causes the body to start uh, going straight to fat production? You know, I, I don't know the science, but I got two things. Number one, if you're not pairing it with actual trying to fix the original problem, which got you fat mm -hmm. in the first place, which is eating healthy. And if you just go back to your bad habits, you're you have empty fat stores that are going to fill right up. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And you're going to eat, you're going to have all those cravings. And if it didn't fix all that, you know, you're going to be back in your old habits. And you're just going to gain it. It's always easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight. I don't know what the oh, science is behind that, but and I don't know why that is. You go on a cruise, you gain seven pounds and it takes you four weeks to lose it. Like you're there for a week mm -hmm. and get seven, but it takes you four weeks right. to lose seven. I don't know why it works like that. But in science, I will tell you, because if, if the GLP-1 is being suppressed, I think that's how it works, if I'm not mistaken. Like mm -hmm. it, right. Let's talk about like, like, we're going to relate it kind of back to like pain meds. So when you take a bunch of pain meds, it actually blocks the receptors, right? Blocks your pain okay. receptors. So when they're blocked, your body is like, something's wrong with my receptors. So it call, it's called upregulation. So then it creates right. more receptors um, so that your body, again, can feel pain because it's a safety mechanism. And so that's why you always need more pain medicine. That's why patients, all of a sudden, their 5 milligram oxycodons don't work anymore. And they need the 10s because you've upregulated the receptors. So maybe, I don't know, uh, this is just a guess, but usually when you block receptors, your body's natural response is then to upregulate. And so maybe all of a sudden now you have twice as many receptors. And if you take the medicine away, not only do you have the original ones that got you fat, now you have twice as many. So maybe that's what it is. Um, okay. But probably still too new to maybe tell. I don't know. Right. And I think that's just, that's the thing. It's, this is so new to be put, being pushed so hard. Uh, it is being pushed like crazy almost everywhere you look. I was at my parents' place uh, recently and like every ad on TV, because I don't really watch TV, but every ad on their TV, every other ad was pharma with a lot of Ozempic, a lot of Wegovy, that sort of thing. There's also been a the, the rumor around that like a lot of the weight loss that, that people are having is uh, 
uh, lean mass, like lean muscle. Now, I think that's more because people just start eating less food and the food they already have, they eat the same foods. They just eat less of it, just like you were saying. And it's just not nutritious food by any stretch of the imagination, right? So I just, I, I find it to be like this double-edged sword because I'm not, you know, in any way against pharma necessarily. I'm against the pharma first approach of our healthcare system. I personally believe we need an entire health, new healthcare system. Like we won't need one on preventative medicine and then pharma is last and there needs to be almost justification for it because uh, I've also been told like the, this, the Wegevi, we people are saying you're on it forever. Like that's a long time to be billing $1,300 to insurance because it's not free people. Like, right. like people don't understand that it's not free. And if all of a sudden, if we have 100 million people get prescribed Wegovy or Ozempic on a monthly basis that they can never come off of, and even if their copay is $300 and it's $1,000 a month billed to insurance, that is a lot of money every every like every single month. Like that's all close to a dollars a year added on. And I'm just not seeing. I mean, it's just like diabetes, and you're going to be on insulin the rest of your life. Good luck. Yeah. Like right, right. like. Where is the incentive to make people healthy? Where is that? It kind of circles back to the disease profit industry. Is like, you know, you get these people on medicines that they're going to need every day, and you don't actually get to the root problem. You have a customer for life. I mean, we're both in the nutrition world. Like, we get our people to a certain level, and we have to stay toodaloo. Like, you've learned the yeah. process. We're here to support you and mm -hmm. go out and thrive. And then, like, you have to have a new, you know. But if you didn't actually teach your people and right. then you would have a client for life. So uh, there is that aspect for sure. Yep. You, um, you coach for the, you coach for the why, like you make sure that the client understands why you, we did, that's a huge thing. All my, any of my clients that are in the chat can tell you, I say that like, it's, it's the important thing is you understanding why I'm, we're having you do this. Like we're having you do this. So you have a better relationship with your food. Like you understand, like, even though a food's not a bad food, if you eat it first thing in the day and it makes you hungrier, maybe you should eat that food later on in the day. Like bananas are not not bad for you, but if I eat a banana for breakfast, I'm hungrier all day than if I eat a steak for breakfast, I can still eat the banana later type thing, right? Yeah. And I, I just, I think that like stuff like that is missed, but also you, like I completely agree. It's a matter of making sure that people understand the why, which leads us to the other stuff I wanted to talk to you about. So when did you know bullshit? <laughs> when did I know? Um, I think the very first week, all this kind of came out. Like, if we're talking about the the, the pandemic, the pandemic, the, right, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, the minute the media started going in a frenzy, like when it first came out, I so in anesthesia, just so you guys know what kind of exposure I had um, during the pandemic. Obviously, a lot of our everyday surgeries were canceled. However, patients were getting intubated left and right. Right, they needed to be on ventilators. So. My job through the first year of the pandemic was to put in the breathing tubes of everyone who had COVID. There was a small select team so that we'd reduce the number of people exposed to it. And so I was part of that team and I was willing to be on it because I wasn't scared um, mm -hmm. to be really honest. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I would go around and put the breathing tubes in. So I saw thousands of patients, maybe a thousand mm -hmm. patients, in the, you know, getting intubated. Um, so when it first came out, I was like, I have a whole video like, guys, if I'm not wearing a mask, you don't need a mask. It's a cold. It's a common cold. It's a, it's like the flu. It's a bad flu. Um, and I still to this day believe that's exactly what it was. Like, yeah, yeah. 
insanely unhealthy and you got the flu, you would be very sick. Yep. If you're like me and you're healthy and you get the flu, yeah, it might kick your ass for a day or two and you might have a fever at home and feel like crud, but you're going to be fine. And you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and then the real eye opener came because we started testing everybody, right? If you walked in the hospital door, um, everyone got a test. We would have multi, like multiple injury traumas. I'm talking like rollover MVCs, broken head to toe. And they would, their only ailment was they were broken. And we were here to, like in the operating room doing X laps or femur fixes or whatever. And they would get tested for COVID. Okay. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, why are we, but whatever. Okay. And then because of their injuries, they would pass away in the OR, right? Knew. Mm -hmm they would write down that they were COVID positive and there was a death, it would go to that death toll. And I was like, this is just wrong. And we would get, we were getting money for every COVID. I mean, our hospital, every hospital, not just ours, every hospital got, I can't remember the number off the top of my head. I want to say it was like $30,000, but that could just be a total number I just made up. So don't take that for heart. Like per COVID positive COVID test. Yeah. So, cause they why? wanted like, why, right? Like why? Like, 90% of them had COVID and they got sent home. Like, oh, you have a broken arm? You have COVID? Okay, we'll fix your arm and go home. Like there was no side effect. There was no symptoms. There was no anything. So, I mean, I knew from day one that this was, is COVID real, a real disease? And do people die? Yes. I mean, I got to say that. Yes, I watched people die every day. From, Insane. Right? But. Insane. Was it as bad as they say it is? No, it has, I think the actual death rate is 0.02%. I think yeah. the true death rate. And that's assuming you even get it because not everybody even gets COVID. So if you took them out of people who were exposed and didn't even get it and the people who got it and died, it's actually less than that. So it's all bullshit. Yeah, I, that's what in in early, in like an early January, of course, like I'm paying attention because I travel. I, I, at the time, I, I don't do it anymore. People would hire me to go speak at seminars and stuff like that. I don't get that anymore. Uh, probably from this, but uh -huh. I, so I read all the data. Hey, we're flying to Atlanta next month. Is this dangerous? Cause I'm with my wife and I would like burn the whole world down to protect my wife. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I read all the data and I'm like, it's sick and fat people. We're health professionals. <laughs> like we're, we're super good. You know, like I want to get it yeah. as fast as possible. Get it, get my natural immunity. If I don't already have T cell immunity. So I list off just like me and her sitting down and my wife is like, she wasn't in the healthcare field, but she is just read up on health, you know, because she's an amazing, like a, an amazing fitness professional. So she's understands T cell, understands this. Like I was amazed at how the absence of our public health officials trying to calm people down and give information. Instead, it was the rush to panic. I'm just like, they're, they're trying to scare people. This is a cold, you know, and well, uh, people do nothing. Use people, but they won't do it. So it's easy to control someone when they're terrified and they think right. that you're going to fix them and save them. So I knew it was kind of BS then. When they started talking about 15 days, I was just like, they don't even have the right to do this, frankly. Like, they, like they, none of them have the authority to tell us to stay in. Like, none of them have the authority to tell you to close your business. It is life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. They are stopping that. They don't have the authority to do so. And that's a whole other constitutional thing. But health-wise, I was everything we're doing right now is hurting people. It's hurting the population. Lockdowns, lockdowns are how we actually punish prisoners. 
Like, I mean, like we, we put prisoners in solitary or we locked them, we, lo we actually locked them up for breaking, you know, for breaking a law. So we imprisoned them just because it's your house does not mean it's a prison if you've not allowed out of it. Right. Yeah. And the, I, and I don't know if you know who he is, but his name's Dr. Johnny Anitis, right? And he is the most cited scientist for uh, public health in the world. Like, and he, he's out of Stanford and he ran a, uh, uh, I can't say it, but he ran an antibody test basically on huge swaths of, of areas of the United States, right? Because we were not having a complete number to scare people. Like they were predicting uh, like it was like a 5% death rate. I'm like, that's ridiculous because you're counting the people that you know have it for a pathogen that 80% of people that have it are never going to even had it. They're going to be asymptomatic, right? It's in the, it's in the literature. Like we're going against the actual printed literature now, right? So once we started doing that, I was like, I was already look out. They're, they're going for it. Like the elites are going for it, frankly. Yeah. And when it got to... I posted his video to talk about it and they deleted it immediately and banned me for like two weeks from posting. Like, and I'm like, I'm in my mind. I'm like, I didn't swear. I didn't say anything. I shared the exact words from the most cited living public health scientist in the world, you know, like of actual data he collected and they deleted it. It's still deleted. The study is now peer reviewed on the NIH website and on the WHO website but you still can't talk about it. Like it's, it's these things that they put into place. Yeah, people aren't going to go read a study. I mean, they just know they're not going to, and if they did, could they understand it? And Yeah. They don't understand that. Most people don't understand it. And then the, the masks came, you know, and I was like, this is dangerous. Like, so masks come out, right. And maybe, maybe the pathogen is bigger <laughs> than most other viruses. Maybe it's so huge that a mask will work. Right. But obviously it's not. And then I'm like, not one public health official has given how to properly don or doff a mask. And for like, just so people know that I'm not full of shit, can you walk people through the proper procedure that you go through with the mask on and why for the operating room? Um, well, for the operating room, we just, actually, I want to say, the, I, mean, I looked up this once, like the reason that they, they didn't want doc doctors like sweating and stuff into the patients, like it was more of like, keeping their stuff out of the patient's open bellies than it was being infected. So, but then yeah. it's kind of stuck and we've always used it and um, whatever, but there is a very specific, like when you do an N95 mask, which is the one I think people are rushing out to buy, you actually have to go and get fit tested for it. Like I just had mm -hmm. to do it for my job. You put the mask on, you have to pull the straps in a certain order, you get a fume hood and you have to be able to tell if you can uh, taste the stuff that they spray inside the fume hood. Right. Um, and if you can, you need a new mask like, because there's, it fits your face. It has to create the seal. It has the whole thing. Um, what I was finding is that people were wearing the same mask day over day, over day, over day, over day. Now, like in theory, when I walk into a room, I should take my mm -hmm. mask off and get a new mask for the next round. Because now there's, I mean, if you think it's contagious enough that it's protecting you, don't you think it's stuck to the fibers of the mask? Exactly. Right. So, and we, in the beginning didn't have enough masks. We were given one mask. We had to put our name on it and we weren't allowed to lose it because they didn't have any more. So now imagine breathing your, I mean, your mouth is full of bacteria, full of bacteria. Yeah. Imagine breathing that in and out for days on end. Like how healthy is that? Number one, your mm -hmm. hands are dirty. Even if you try to be the best, you're taking it on and off, on and off. You touch things. So now it's dirty on both sides. It was mm -hmm. crazy. 
And if you think that the paper mask that has two wide open gaps on the side is actually protecting people from anything, it's made out of like paper. Like I think the yeah. micron is like five times as big as the actual virus. Like it's so crazy. I'm like, right. and the people who drive around them with them alone in the car, I can't. I just okay. don't even understand it. Now, if you need to wear a mask, you're immunocompromised. I totally get it. I do. That's when it seems you only should have masked the people who needed it. We should have been right. the whole time. We should have been protecting the elderly, the immunocompromised, and that's it. Everyone else should have been free to move along. And here's when it all was real bullshit. Mm-hmm. You, can, you have to close down a gym, but the liquor store can be open. Right there, I knew that this was the crazy. I was like, that doesn't even make any mathematical sense. That doesn't no. make any sense. Like, if you can be in a liquor store with somebody, why can't I be in a gym where it actually those things keep me healthy? Like, alcohol suppresses the immune system. It messes up with your liver function, which is a human filter for your body. It's like the air filter of your car is your liver. So it detoxifies. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and drink and make sure your liver doesn't work so that you're, you can get sicker. But don't actually go work out which would prevent right. you, we keep you in a healthy lifestyle, a healthy state of body, so you're less likely to get sick from the disease. It made no sense. That was like none of, yeah, none of it made sense. Where you know the the I, I wonder how many people died, like how many old people died from masks, because nothing is worse than seeing like a 70, 90, 70 80, 90 year old woman with her mask down around her chin, as if like, and then they pop it back over to talk to people like as if bacteria and things like that haven't built up on her neck, you know? Or yeah. back, you you know? know, we're seeing now, more than anything of that kind of stuff, is how many people are coming in with advanced disease mm-hmm. because for two years they weren't getting regular appointments, they weren't getting regular follow-ups, they weren't doing mm-hmm. their mammograms, they weren't doing their prostate exams, and now they're finally, we're back to somewhat of normal, and they're coming yeah. in and they have advanced disease, and people are dying in droves now because of this. Like, it is... Yeah. The, it's the greatest crime against humanity, in my opinion. It Absolutely. It killed people. Suicide rates are off the chart. Um, addiction rates are high. When you p- leave people locked in their home with limited income because like jobs got lost and things like that, mm-hmm. like addiction rates went out of control. Child abuse went up. Spousal abuse went up because high tensions are high. Nerves are high. Stress is high. And now mm-hmm. you're stuck in the house all the time with a person who's you know abusive. It, it was tragic. It was tragic. That's where the tragedy truly comes. Yeah. Oh, I tell people all the time, the wave of chronic illness that is coming after the great fattening of 2020, because to increase levels of obesity that quickly in children and adults in just one year period of time, it's like people don't even like this whole statement of how like this, this societal lie we're telling how obesity is not dangerous for you made it made people feel much more at ease with gaining a lot of weight and i remember florida and we went to the beach before all this craziness right and then we kind of stuck around our local area for a long time once like until like 2022 even though i could go out and do anything i want in this area we just didn't see a reason to travel because everybody was crazy and you never know Mm-hmm. But around here, uh, you know, around here, we were going to full restaurants in May of 2020, no masks, no anything. So life was pretty normal, right? And we went in 2022 up to Siesta Key during time season, right? Like where a lot of people from out of town were. The first time I'd really seen ex- been exposure to non-Floridians, basically, in, in, in like in two years. 
holy shit. Uh, I was like, oh my God, everybody's huge. Like there's not, I don't, I know I do all the statistics for obesity fairly often. I, I, it's what I do for a living. There's no, like the 42.5% that they always list off is a joke. Like, I mean, that those numbers are from 2018 and we're well over 50% obesity. Like well, oh, yeah. well, well over 50% obesity. And my biggest worry is that we're viscerally obese as a society. You know, like we are, we are midsection obese and we were already morbidly obese as a society by CDC numbers. When you look at waist to height ratio in 2018, mm -hmm. and P I just don't think people understand who, like how like shotgun effect detrimental this is to society and what it's going to mean for five, 10 years after that happens. Like, yeah, we talk about body positivity. People better get used to like lower limb amputation positivity really quickly because the because type two diabetes is going to be out of control. And we used to see fat people. And this is something else I wanted to talk to you about to, cl to close off with. But we used to see fat people like I was I, at one point in time. I, I don't you, since you don't really know who I am. But at one point in time, I weighed I weighed 100 pounds more than I weigh now. And I was kind of a power lifter guy, but I still ate everything under the sun. And I lost 100 pounds and I've kept it off, right? I was a humongous man. I was 280 pounds, five, you know, five, nine, five, ten. Humongous. I filled it in a doorway. People noticed me when I walked down the street. Nobody would even know who the fuck I was right now. Like, right. I mean, 250-pound dudes are very average when we used to think of those as linebackers and pro wrestlers when we were growing up, you know, like it's the dad bot, it's the mom bot. It's right. You know, it's acceptable. We've gotten so big in a, as a society that people think that like somebody that's actually probably borderline obese, if not into like the obese range by, by every marker, they're like, oh, they're not even that big. Like I hear that all the time. I'm sure you do. You hear it all yeah, the time. We do, it's funny because we're, we're in America, so we do it by pounds, but in medicine, you do it by kilograms. Yeah. And we'll look at kilograms like, oh, that's, in fact, I, I want to say this too. I was a fat girl. That's how I got into health coaching and things yeah. like that. I went on my own journey. I was funny story talking about kilograms we were talking like oh my patient's so many kilograms i don't remember the number now it was like 90 kilos maybe 95 and we were kind of like oh that's gonna be a big person and also i was like you know i've never done my weight in kilos and i was like holy shit like i'm bigger than who we we're kind of like oh it's gonna be a big patient because when when you put someone to sleep with anesthesia they're full-on dead weight right they, are, yeah. they don't help themselves move so moving a patient can be hard when you're when you're a big person and so like, that was what kind of triggered me on other things. So I've been fat. I have been that girl. In fact, I was always the big girl, always the big girl in the picture growing up and things like that. So I know the work it takes. And, but yeah, as a society, if you look around, like being fit or being normal is abnormal everywhere yeah. you go, everywhere. Mm -hmm. you go. And it is not just like a little chunky. It's not just dad bod. I'm talking like, I always, sometimes I wonder like, Am I going to have to do CPR today on my day off? Like, is this person going to drop out in front of me? Like, how do they, how they function, how they walk, ride their scooter? It's just, it's, it is, it's, it is, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's its own pandemic, really. It's a pandemic. Oh, absolutely. On, yeah. right? So I talk about this all the time because people, this is where people get upset. Because I'm sure you hear a lot, if I'm fat, it's none of your business. And I'm a big, I'm huge. I'm like, I'm not a Republican or Democrat. I don't even know what you are. I'm a constitutionalist. I believe in like freedom. Like you do you, as long as it does not affect me. If I, if something's unhealthy and I can help you with it, I'm going to. And before 2020, 
I had no, like, I was just, I would encourage people, it's time to lose weight. You can do this. You're like, you don't, don't let it kill you. You got it, right? After 2020, when we, I mean, Fauci even said we closed down because of our obesity epidemic. Like, if we, like, the worry was we let everybody get it. All the fat people get it. All the fat people need to go to the hospital and it destroys the hospital system. Like, that's his words, not mine, right? So that's one thing, like we, the hospital system, it's already mo- majority pressured, like something like $3 trillion in shared healthcare expenditure, um, avoidable lifestyle driven chronic illness a year, $3 trillion. People eat too much, drink too much, smoke too much, right? But now it's to the point where it's affecting our freedom. So lose the fucking weight, uh, frankly, you know, like that's, that's where I'm at with it. And I'll gladly help you. We're making products to try to help people. There's coaches like you and me and everything like that. But people don't understand the burden that it puts on healthcare. So I wanted to talk to you just so people can understand and just, and you don't, you guys don't need to believe me, although most of you, but me and her did not pre-talk about this. Like we talked for two minutes before, before we got on here. Can you walk people through the predominant, the predominance of obesity and lifestyle driven chronic illnesses in the emergency room? And if they take like the resources they take versus the resources of a thinner person, um, I would tell you, and we'll, you know, kind of loop COVID back in when I was putting all those breathing tubes in, I would say, I'm going to say a thousand in, in rough numbers, maybe 15 were of normal weight. Maybe that's, that, that's all I'm like, it was, it was crazy. In fact, I remember arguing really hard one time, this woman, bless her heart. She was 600 pounds, kind, sweet. She was FaceTiming her family. 600 pounds and she had COVID. She was in the ICU and she was obviously working to breathe. And they were like, we need to put a breathing tube in. We need to put a breathing tube. In. And I was like, why we need to hold on because once they get a breathing tube, it, the trajectory, typically they died at this time in, in the mm-hmm. COVID process. The way we treated everything was still too new. You got a breathing tube. They were going to probably yeah. die. Yeah. And I said, okay, but this one was FaceTiming family talking to me and she was on a nasal cannula at the time. And I was like, we need to hold on. Like, yes, she's got COVID. Yes, she's struggling to breathe. But I was like, can we have a conversation? This is probably her everyday life. She has mm-hmm. 600 pounds. So like to perfuse that much of your body takes, it makes your heart massive. So you think about your heart. Your heart is a muscle. So it has to actually send blood out to every piece of your body. Otherwise, your fat necrosis, your arm, your fingers are necrosis, right? So it has to work hard. So that makes you have cardiomyoglia. Like it makes you have an enlarged heart. Well, right. Your heart itself is a muscle and it needs blood trans. It needs blood to do itself. So it has to work really hard to perfuse itself. So when you're obese, your heart has to work harder. And then it's like being strained all day long. And that's why when you have, you end up having a heart attack because your heart just cannot perfuse the body and itself and try to do all the things it's designed to do. So Mm -hmm. uh, obesity was one of the, one of the number one things that I saw that was the number one risk factor for dying with COVID. That diabetes, um, and they go hand in hand typically. Right. Um, and again, heart failure. So it is. I mean, it's just it's so taxing on the body. Um, your joints for every, I think it's like for every one pound of body fat is like four or five pounds of pressure in your knee joints. So yeah, when you, when, and that's walking on a flat surface. If you're walking downhill, it's ten to twelve. Yeah. So like your knees. So these people need knee replacements. Well, guess what? When you're that big and you have poor perfusion. 
guess what you don't do? You don't heal as well. So you get infections. I mean, it's like a, literally people come in like diabetics with a toe. You and I but like stub our toe on the counter and we're like, you know, you cuss for a minute, you're fine. But if a diabetic does that, an uncontrolled diabetic, most likely, this is what happens, talk about a burden, you get your toe taken off, just your pinky toe, right? Well, then because you have diabetes, so, so I don't know how much that costs in surgery-wise. You've got an anesthesia bill, you have a surgery bill, you have an OR fee, you have a hospital stay, you're eating their food, you're taking their pills, like thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. But then this little tiny pinky doesn't heal. So then what we have to do is we have to take off now this whole like little section because mm -hmm. that didn't heal. And so now we're back again, back to OR fee, back to anesthesia fee, back to more days in a hospital. And then that doesn't heal. They take off just below your knee and then they take off above your knee and they, it is, it is mind blowing of like some of these little tiny things that having these diseases is like literally catastrophic. I, I did a whole thing on diabetes the other day. It's death by a thousand cuts. You That's a great way to describe it. Holy cow. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Yeah, please, uh, please because you really don't like die of diabetes, right? Like diabetes itself doesn't kill you. It's all of the things it does to your body, right? It ruins your perfusion to your extremities. You end up losing a toe. Like I just said, you end up half your life gone. Does the same mm -hmm. thing to your kidneys. It ruins those blood vessels in your kidneys, so you end up with dialysis. That's terrible for you. Um, ruins the vessels in your brain, so you end up with strokes, and so you die of a stroke. And like, it's not the diabetes; it's what it's wreaking havoc on your body. And again, it usually stems from diet and exercise. It can be yep. type one. I mean, type one diabetes is different. That's truly a medical. But again, that's where there's a time and place for medicine. It kind of comes back to that. There yes, is, indeed. Right, like. There is a time and place, but I would say 90%, and that might be a, I would say that might be low. You can prevent most things with diet and exercise across the board. I think, that, I think the actual statistic on the, on this, this is on the CD, like, that's the thing that upsets people so much with me, I think. That's why I can't get anybody that disagrees with me to come on about, about the pandemic, because mm -hmm. I literally CDC numbers and World Health Organization numbers. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I understand that they're trying to scare you with this, but this is what it actually says. But on the CDC website, they do they actually do a pretty good job of listing off our costs, like what our burden is. It's something like at 2020, it was like $4.1 trillion with 90% of that going towards chronic illness and mental illness. And then when you consider that also on their website, 90% of all type 2 diabetes, 80% of cardiovascular disease, 70% of strokes, and 70% of cancer is avoidable by change, right? So when you factor it out and you actually pull the numbers together, it's about 75 to 80% of all chronic illness is avoidable by lifestyle change. So when you do the math, it's $3 trillion of revenue. People need to, like, it's a burden to us. It's revenue to these companies, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about, like I wanted to talk about, get your perspective on is the actual physical resources needed to be used for a larger person. Transport, you know, safe transport, those sorts of things. I remember one of my last, like one of the last purchase orders I signed when I was in a, when I, when I was still in healthcare, was we had to get all new Hoyer lifts. And for those of you that don't understand, a Hoyer lift is basically like a crane and they were actually designed initially so you didn't have to get somebody out of their wheelchair where you could just weigh the wheelchair in the Hoyer lift by itself and then you could pick the person up and weigh them. And it was also used to transport patients that were possibly fragile into their beds and things like that. It's actually like a crane and they make two different varieties and all of our skilled nursings were out with the smaller one because old people in the past kind of withered. It was very rare 
uh, because most of them have failure to thrive diagnosis. Most of them don't eat really, really well. That's why at skilled nursings and uh, assisted livings, that's why they eat cake three times a day. You're trying to get as many calories in them as possible. And you worry less about the nutritional content because you're just trying to get them to have calories because nothing is worse for an elderly person than losing 10% of their body mass in like three months, you know? So I had to sign the purchase order for all new Hoyer. We had to go from the 400 pound limit ones to the like 800 pound limit ones that are three times the cost. Oh, yeah. uh, so, uh, so we had that re-outfit and it was ridiculous. Like the purchase order was like $3.2 million for all of our skilled nursings. And I'm like, I'm about to leave. I already have my notice in. Should I sign this? <laughs> like I was terrified, but it's that. And then the number one workplace injury for nurses is lower back injury from uh, transport uh, patients. And that's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. When, we, when I, uh, about 40 to 50% of my clients are, my weight loss clients are uh, doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, that sort of thing, because it's an extremely unhealthy profession. Um, and the, worst. the doctors need help with stress management, believe it or not, time management, sleep, hydration, and nutrition, because they only have so much time in a day. I had one guy who was like, I haven't eaten a normal lunch. You know, he was like, I've eaten this frozen burrito for lunch every day through my entire radiology internship for that's all, that's one of the biggest things I've eaten is a vending machine burrito, you know, oh, but, no, but so yeah. they all wanted to get stronger and like, they all wanted to lose weight and be, and just be a little healthier. All of the nurses and all of the actual direct care people were all like, I need to get a stronger back. I need to get stronger legs. I need to be able to move people. They all wanted like weight training, right? What's your perspective on that? I have very opinionated about this. Um, number one, I'll tell you about the things like in the operating room, we need wider tables. So you actually have to buy wider tables. You have to buy extenders. We have to have hover lifts is what we call ours, the hover mats. Yep. Um, yeah. It's a bill that they lay on and you blow the little sheet underneath them up like a little, looks like an air mattress. So you can like quickly yeah. slide them over like on an air hockey table basically. Um, so all that I'm sure costs the, the hospital millions of dollars. Um, you know, as a profession, we're some of the most unhealthy people. The stress is crazy high. Um, your hours are not the best. You either work overnight, maybe you work days and nights, and your sleep pattern is never probably the same. Um, mm -hmm. You eat when you get a break because right now the staffing levels are so low that your right. patient to nurse or patient to practitioner ratio is insanely high. And so you're trying to get all the same work done in the amount of hours and you like, go and shove, and then you get to go to the cafeteria. And I actually have a formal complaint against where I work um, about the cafeteria, like the options. As a health place, there are no healthy options. And that is another really big problem. Like our vending machine is full of microwavable um, burritos. We have microwavable uh, hamburgers. God knows what's in that thing. It's not in a refrigerator, in a vending machine. So I can only yeah. imagine keeping it shelf stable. Chips monsters you know because it's just quick easy food and like in our cafeteria we used to have a um uh what do you call it? salad bar till COVID happened now we can't share utensils however we can still share a soup utensil we can still go up to the same counter and buy the chick-fil-a we can go up to the counter and get the fried chicken french fry burger lines and we can still go share the same utensil to pick up the um mm -hmm. pizza there's a pizza line but they took away the salad bar it's, well, it's it makes no sense, and these are like no. It's a cost. It's it's a cost saving thing with the excuse of COVID. As as somebody that used to do that, the fresh salad is is probably killing them cost wise, and then they're like, well, because of COVID, we can't have it. 
So that, that's that's where that comes from because the, the 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 price of fresh produce like that has skyrocketed. It's just anti-science to think you're going to walk in for a room full of people and if you have, if one of them has a virus, you're exposed. Like people need like aerosolized vapor that COVID travels on travels like 30 meters. Like that's why the whole like when they did the six when they did the six oh, like, six feet thing, I was like, shut the fuck up. Like not only was it six feet, like two lanes, but side by side, they'd be like a foot and a half, but they were six feet. Yeah, it's so oh, it only travels up and down. It doesn't go left and right. Yeah, like yeah. it just is like, I mean, all of those crazy. So healthcare it's, providers it's, are the worst. If you look around yeah. a nurse's station, God love them. They're all obese because they're just not taking care of their health for a lot of reasons. Yeah. A lot of it is that they're maxed out. They are. And their yeah. cortisol Absolutely. levels are probably completely either off the charts or there's they've been so off the charts for so long that they actually have none because that's another one you yeah. exhaust your cortisol um yeah. and you're just they're spinning their wheels they're doing the best they can and when they're off days like i mean i remember i used to do 16 hour shifts your off days you don't want to do anything you're exhausted from caring exhausted. For all day long the last thing you want to do is go work out like you just you don't you're exhausted so it's a multifactorial problem but we're some of our own worst patients like the worst so Sarah, I do need to wrap up because my wife is getting ready to teach a class. Uh, yeah. But I would love to have you back on. I found this extremely informational. It's not just because we agree on almost everything. Uh, but uh, but I would love to have you back on. Where can everybody find you again? Um, I, I believe it's Sarah T. Fisher everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's Sarah T. Fisher because it's kind of a common okay. name. Um, I do have a TikTok, which is at Sarah T. Fisher. That one sometimes gets shut down because I'm a little more open there. Um, I do have to be careful. Like I said, I do love my job. And I like my job, but, um, you know, not everyone likes what I have to say. And then on Facebook, I'm Sarah Tendler Fisher. It's in the chat if you need it, but you can find are me. You on on are you on Twitter? Mm -mm, I'm not, actually. I've never been a big Twitter first person. Me either until the pandemic. Really? And I was able to... I was able to get away with saying a lot more there than what I was other places. You just got to craft the words. And TikTok, I've, I've got like 12 accounts. They, they, they ban me weekly, it seems like. Well, I went on Twitter one time and I literally, I mean, I logged in. I was like, maybe I should go to Twitter. And I saw like active porn and I just wasn't my jam. What were you searching for? I was like, is this what I was flabbergasted? I was actually at work and I like threw my phone because I was like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm looking. It was crazy. So I don't, well, I don't, maybe the algorithm's off. I don't know. Maybe I haven't, because I'm not, I don't have an algorithm yet. Like you have to kind of like train what you like to see. But I was like, no, I'm good. So it was. Well, I tell you what, I'll reach out to you uh, after this. I'll, 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 cause I'm probably going to split this into some parts too. And I'll, I'll share them all with you and you can share them on your I'd also like to talk to you about a few other things. Uh, maybe we could like myself and my business, our business partners, my wife, we could partner with you on a few things. And again, I'd love to get your, opinion on, on some other stuff that we have going on off to the side, but also about this. I'd love to have you back on because I found yeah, this extremely informational. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's fun. And thank you very, very much. I appreciate your time and everybody I'll be back live tomorrow. I don't know what time, so I'll, I'll let you know. We'll Bye. talk to talk soon, everybody. Bye. Bye. Have a good night or day. I don't know where you are. Uh, thank you. Bye. You too. Bye.